0: Hello, my friends. I'm back in Canada. Oh, it's good to be home. And wow, what a day I chose to come back. The court of uh, the federal court of Canada has ruled that Justin Trudeau's invocation of the Emergencies Act was illegal and unconstitutional. I'll take you through it. Wow, is all I have to say. Hey, can you do me a favor and get the video version of this podcast? Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, but you get the video version. And more importantly, you support Rebel News because, you know, we don't take a dime from Trudeau. And it shows. That's just rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, the Federal Court of Canada strikes down Trudeau's Emergencies Act as illegal and unconstitutional. It's January 23rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you
1: censorious bug.
0: just incredible. I wouldn't have expected it. I wouldn't have thunk it. But the Federal Court of Canada issued a ruling today declaring that the Emergencies Act invoked by Trudeau, that form of martial law, was illegal. That Trudeau exceeded the powers granted to him by that law, that he did not meet the tests in that law required for martial law. And second of all, even if he was wrong on that, said the judge, that the law violated Canadians' Charter of Rights. There's no pandemic exception to the Charter. Earlier today, I had an emergency live stream for about an hour and a half on the subject. I thought that for today's Ezra LeVant show, we would excerpt chunks of that. It was actually a really fun live stream. We talked to three of the smartest lawyers in the country. Chad Williamson, who represented the truckers down in Coots, Alberta, was actually down there in the saloon during the blockade. Keith Wilson, who was the lead lawyer for the trucker convoy in Ottawa and the daily interface between the truckers and the government, including the city and the police in Ottawa. And finally, with Lawrence Greenspan, the lawyer representing Tamara Leach, the warrior princess of the truckers. And I've got my own thoughts on things too, including I'll take you through the CBC's lying coverage of the subject as well as that awful, awful woman, Christia Freeland. I'll show you some of her comments today. So without further ado, let me show you some of the highlights from the live stream today on this momentous court ruling because I think it's certainly the story of the day. An enormous legal and constitutional rebuke of Justin Trudeau, Christia Freeland, and the entire thuggish liberal government in a blast of a ruling. The Federal Court of Canada has said that the Liberal Party's invocation of the Emergencies Act some two years ago was illegal, unreasonable, unjustifiable, and finally, unconstitutional. The Federal Court of of Canada has ruled that Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party broke the law and violated our civil rights. In an astonishing rebuke, speaking truth to power. I didn't know I didn't think I would see it. You might recall that about a year ago, slightly less than a year ago, Justin Trudeau handpicked a reliable liberal judge named Paul Rolo and hand wrote a narrow mandate for that judge and set about a whitewashing process that he controlled. And surprise, he exonerated himself. And the liberals dined out on that for a few months with every mainstream media journalist in the country clapping along like trained seals. But today, it was an independent judge, not a hand-picked judge by Trudeau, in a real court, not a carefully scripted inquiry. A real judge, the Honorable Richard Mosley. Let's put him on the screen. Not one of Trudeau's hand-picked favorites and he applied the rules of court not the rules of justin and he had a lengthy hearing and he looked into the law not just the politics and he found what each of us could have told you whether or not we had a law degree it was an improper suspension of civil liberties and let me say something very important that i want to say right at the top and we're going to go through this together we're going to spend about an hour on this And in about half an hour, we're going to be joined by two senior lawyers, including Keith Wilson, the lawyer for the Freedom Convoy truckers in Ottawa, and a Fred Chad Williamson, the lawyer for the truckers at the Coots blockade. We will have some serious legal firepower on this show in about half an hour. But I want to point out a very important thing about the lawsuit. We're going to go through it. It wasn't just Canadians who were suing. The government of Alberta, and I'll confirm this, we'll go through the page. we'll go through the law to get with the ruling together. The government of Alberta intervened saying we didn't need the Emergencies Act. We were able to solve any policing problems without putting the country under martial law. This is an astounding ruling, and the timing of it is absolutely perfect. Coming right in the middle of a Liberal Party retreat. They're having a lot of these retreats and summits and luxury getaways where they try and script some language to bring them back from the brink of oblivion in the polls. And what a delight to see them scupper all their plans and put out twitchy Freeland. That's what I call Christia Freeland. She's got that irritating twitch. I don't know if it's a medical condition or if she's just... Someone who has is a walking poker tell of lies. You know what a poker tell is. It's when someone lies and they can't control something. They, they have a wink or something or they make a face or their eyes look in a certain way. I think that's what it is with Christian Freeland. She may have a form of Tourette's. And if so, you know, it's a medical condition beyond her reach. But I think it's a poker tell. The woman is a nonstop liar. And I think her body can't control being such a liar. Take a listen to Christian Freeland explaining that, no, 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 no. Just because a judge heard the case and government lawyers were there, but the judge didn't agree with them, just because you know, what 150 or so page ruling, page after page, her law breaking was exposed. No, 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 you see, uh, with all due respect, she disagrees and so she's going to appeal it because, of course, she is. Because if this law, if this ruling is upheld, who's the biggest loser? Well, Justin Trudeau, but. I don't know how much long Justin Trudeau is going to be with us, given the polling. But Christy Freeland actually thought, and maybe she still thinks she can be prime minister, she was the one who seized the bank accounts. And if her legal rationale for seizing the bank accounts is gone, then she's the one who will be sued by everyone who had their bank accounts seized. Now, I don't think she'll be held personally responsible. The government will bail out Uh, christia freeland for her illegal acts but if i was christia freeland i would be saying "No, no 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 i'm innocent no 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 also because what she did was atrocious here listen to this wicked twitcher the twitchy witch explaining no 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 this judge don't listen to the judge what we did was completely legal take a look at this
2: so we are aware of the court decision we have discussed it with the prime minister with cabinet colleagues, with senior federal government officials and experts. We respect very much Canada's independent judiciary. However, we do not agree with this decision. And respectfully, we will be appealing it. I would just like to take a moment to remind Canadians of how serious the situation was in our country when we took that decision. The public safety of Canadians was under threat. Our national security, which includes our national economic security, was under threat. It was a hard decision to take, We took it very seriously after a lot of hard work, after a lot of careful deliberation. We were convinced at the time, I was convinced at the time, it was the right thing to do. It was the necessary thing to do. I remain and we remain convinced of that. And I'll now turn it over to my colleague, the Minister of Justice, and then we'll hear from my colleague, the Minister of Public Safety.
0: Hey, I got a question for you, sorry to interrupt. Where's the coward Justin Trudeau? I mean, I know he doesn't want to wear this. He sent out Twitchy to say how thoughtful she was and please don't arrest me because I seized bank accounts. And please don't don't destroy my future political career just because I was the one who seized hundreds of bank accounts illegally. Where's the coward? Like, at the end of the day, it was the prime minister who made the decision. And he sends out Chrystia Freeland and some other no-name cabinet ministers. Seriously, can you name, can you name, without looking it up, can you name the justice minister? Can you name the public safety minister? No Googling. It's, it it really is um, Justin Trudeau and the seven dwarves. I mean, I think people do know Christian Freeland. Can you name any other cabinet ministers? Why did Trudeau send her out? Why didn't he go out and say this in his best drama teacher voice? He wants her to wear it. I think they're going to try and blame a couple of cabinet ministers in the day, like Marco Mendicino, who was the public safety minister who was later sacked by Trudeau. They're going to probably try and put some blame on him, but it won't work. It was Trudeau and Krista Freeland in the end who made the call. It was Freeland who seized the bank accounts. It was Trudeau who deployed the riot horses. It was Trudeau who demanded that police arrest the peaceful protesters like Tamara Leach. Isn't she looking good these days? The Emergencies Act was illegally invoked. (laughs) For two years, Justin Trudeau and his repeaters in the regime media have said that the convoy was illegal. In fact, the convoy was legal. It was the crackdown that was illegal. Tamara Leach has never been convicted of anything. Justin Trudeau, once again, has been found to be a law breaker. All right, without further ado, let's go through the ruling right now. I wanna take you through the ruling now. It's a long ruling. Let's show the cover of it right here. Issued today by the federal court. The Honorable Mr. Justice Mosley. I already showed that to you. Now I'm gonna spend some time on the front page just to so we can understand what exactly was going on. Scroll down a little bit. It's between Canadian frontline nurses and Kristen Nagel and the Attorney General of Canada. So nurses who were against the Emergencies Act took the step and the Canadian Civil Liberties Association that finally woke up after three years of hitting the snooze button, and the Canadian Constitution Foundation, those are good guys, and the Attorney General of Canada was there, and the Attorney General of Alberta, that is, the Justice Department of Alberta, intervened on behalf of the protesters, on behalf of the people. But there's more names yet. Jeremiah Jost, Edward Cornell, Vincent Gerses, and Harold Ristow. Canadian citizens who were willing to put their names forward as the official applicants. Thank you to them. And you can see the list of respondents or defendants, as they're sometimes called governor and council. That means cabinet. His Majesty and Right of Canada, the Attorney General, the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness. So they're just naming the members of cabinet who made the decisions. Now, if you look at this judgment, it's over a hundred pages long. And so there's a table of contents. I have not read this whole thing through. It's only been out for about an hour or two. Uh, obviously I haven't read it, but let's look at that table of contents, introduction, overview. They talk about the parties, that is who was suing. And then they go through and you can see they describe who's Kristen Nagel, what's Canadian frontline nurses, who are the different groups. So it's a, this is, This is like a mini book, isn't it? I'm going to skip to the end of the movie. At the outset of these proceedings, while I had not reached a decision on any of the four applications, I was leaning to the view that the decision to invoke the Emergencies Act was reasonable. I considered the events that occurred in Ottawa and other locations in January and February 2022, went beyond legitimate protest and reflected an unacceptable breakdown of public order. I had and continue to have considerable sympathy for those in government who were confronted with this situation. Had I been at their tables at that time, I may have agreed that it was necessary to invoke the act. And I acknowledge that in conducting judicial review of that decision, I'm revisiting that time with the benefit of hindsight and a more extensive record of the facts and law uh, than that which was before the governor in council. So he's starting off by saying, I didn't much like the trucker convoy. Let's read a little bit more. My preliminary view of the reasonableness of the decision to invoke martial law may have prevailed following the hearing due to excellent advocacy on the part of counsel for the Attorney General of Canada had I not taken the time to carefully deliberate about the evidence and submissions, particularly Those are the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Their participation in these proceedings has demonstrated, again, the value of public interest litigants, especially in presenting informed legal argument. This case may not have turned out the way it has without their involvement, as the private interest litigants were not as capable of marshalling the evidence and argument in support of their applications. Isn't that an interesting thing to say? If I was with those two civil liberties groups, I'd be feeling pretty good right now. Let's keep reading. We're almost done. I have concluded that decision to issue the proclamation does not bear the hallmarks of reasonableness, justification, transparency, and intelligibility, and was not justified in relation to the relevant factual and legal constraints that were required to be taken into consideration. In my view, there can, only, there can be only one reasonable interpretation of Emergencies Act, Sections 3 and 17, uh, and the Ceases Act, And the applicants have established that the legal constraints on the discretion of the government council to declare a public order emergency were not satisfied. And for those who remember, there has to be a very serious threat to the country like a revolution or an invasion or a serious insurrection. That's part one. And part two, that cannot be fixed with regular law and order. There's a two-part test to bring putting the country under martial law. Part one, is there a revolution? Is there a war? Is there a general, a serious insurrection? Is there serious violence? Can't just be a bank robbery. Can't just be a blockade. It has to be a grave existential threat to the country. But that in itself is not enough. Part two is, okay, so you've got an insurrection. Okay, so you've got a war. Okay, so you've got a terrible thing happening. Is there any other lesser means to fix the problem? Obviously, that test was not met. And that's the value of Alberta's intervention, we'll get there, because Alberta had a blockade, you might recall, at the Coutts border crossing between Alberta and Montana. And that blockade was resolved, actually, if I recall, the day before martial law was applied. And so my point is, this judge, didn't like the convoy. This judge sympathized with the government, but this judge read the law and this judge said, and I I haven't read the whole thing, but I just hopped to the end here. The government did not pass that twofold test. Here, let's keep reading. I'm going to go to Um, well, I think I read the key part. The applicants have established that the legal constraints on the discretion of the governor in, in council to declare public order emergency were not satisfied. That's sort of it right there. Now, I was skimming the ruling before we went on the live stream. I was skimming it, and I want to go to paragraph 253. Olivia, can you go to paragraph 253? Because there was some interesting stuff there that I just want to read out. This is a, you know what, we're gonna chew this over and in about 10 minutes, we're gonna call in a couple of legal experts to help us. But I wanna skim, I wanna go up to 253. All right, let me know when you're there, yeah. Due to its nature and to the broad powers it grants the federal executive, the Emergencies Act is a tool of last resort. The government and council cannot invoke the Emergencies Act because it is convenient or because it may work better than other tools at their disposal or available to the provinces. This does not mean that every tool has to be used and tried to determine that the situation exceeded the capacity or authority of the provinces. And in this case, the evidence is clear that the majority of the provinces were able to deal with the situation using other federal laws, such as the criminal code and their own legislation. The Section 58 explanation concludes that the ongoing protests had, quote, created a critical, urgent, temporary situation that is national in scope and cannot effectively be dealt with under any other law of Canada. That was the excuse the liberals said. And here's what the judge says in response. While I agree that the evidence supports that the, the conclusion that the situation was critical and required an urgent resolution by governments, the evidence, in my view, does not support the conclusion that it could not have been effectively dealt with under other laws of Canada, as it was in Alberta, or that it exceeded the capacity or authority of a province to deal with it. That was demonstrated not to be the case in Quebec and other provinces and territories, including Ontario, except in Ottawa. For those, for these reasons, I conclude that there was no national emergency, justifying the invocation of the Emergencies Act, and the decision to do so was therefore unreasonable and ultra vires That's Latin for outside the power of the government. The government can do certain things, but it can't do everything, it can only do those things passed in law subject to the limits of the Constitution. So this was the government acting outside of its power, acting illegally. Let me keep going. The judge says, should I be found to have erred in that conclusion, I will proceed to discuss the threshold requirement for that for a public order emergency to be declared, it must meet the definition set out in six, Section 16 of the Act, was the threats to the security of Canada threshold met. I'm going to read a little bit more. But I, let me pause for a second and tell you the importance of the paragraphs I just read. Was there a problem in Canada from the government's point of view? Yeah. They didn't like all that horn honking. They didn't like parking on the side of the road. They didn't like people laughing when they got tickets. They didn't like the general middle finger being flipping the bird to Trudeau. And there may have even been some laws broken. I think it really was a bunch of traffic offenses But what this judge is saying is that there was no need to put the country under martial law, and that is a requirement to put the country under martial law. You can't simply do it because you want to or because you hate the other guy. You have to put the country under martial law if there is no other way of dealing with the problem. And the importance of that paragraph is that the province of Alberta, the province of Quebec, the province of Ontario all dealt with this same crisis without the martial law. Trudeau invoked martial law because he wanted to, for political reasons, because he was embarrassed by the fact that the truckers were defying him. How dare they? And that ain't enough, boss. Here, I'm gonna read a little bit more in section 256, but you see what the judge just did? The judge said, if I'm wrong there, I got some more arguments too, because this judge knew that he was gonna have his ruling appealed. So he said, you didn't meet the test. This was not a law of last resort. You went to this way too early. You didn't need to go to this at all. Alberta cleared the blockade of coots before martial law was brought in. I remember the Public Order Inquiry Commission, the hand-scripted judicial inquiry that Justin Trudeau chose the judge of. Remember that? We called it the Trucker Commission. Police force after police force said they didn't need martial law. They were fine with it. I remember the OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, said, yeah, we didn't ask for this. We were fine without it. Let me keep reading Section two fifty, 250, paragraph 256, okay? In a general sense, it was reasonable for the government to be alarmed at the impact of the blockades and the effects they were having on cross-border trade. Those effects could be said to fall within a broader sense of threats to the security of Canada, or more generally, the concept of national security. Um... I'm going to skip ahead to 258. In this court, after an extensive review of the authorities, Justice Simon Noel concluded that national security means, at minimum, the preservation of the Canadian way of life, including safeguarding of the security of persons, institutions, and freedoms in Canada. 259. A broad and flexible interpretation of the words threats to the security of Canada could encompass the concerns which led the government to issue the public order emergency declaration. Had the meaning of those words not been limited by reference to another statute, and applying a de- de- deferential standard review i would have found that the threshold was satisfied and this is the point i mentioned before however the words "threatens threats to the security of canada do not stand alone in the Act and must be interpreted with reference to the meaning of the terms as it is defined in section two of the ceases act and this is what i mentioned before section 260. threats to the security of canada in section two of the ceases act refers to four types of activities. Only one of the four is relevant to these proceedings. Under paragraph 2C, threats to the security of Canada means this. All right, are you ready? And this is, we're just going to read this slowly here. Because you have to understand, you can't push that, martial law button you can't pull the fire alarm for the whole country and torch the chart of rights and freedoms and seize bank accounts and jail your political opponents you can't hit that panic button unless it's a real panic you can't fake it you can't be the boy who cries wolf you can't be Justin Trudeau looking for a dramatic uh, you know part-time drama teacher drama move you need to do what the Ceases Act requires I'm going to read it now Under paragraph 2C, threats to the security of Canada means activities within or relating to Canada directed toward or in support of uh, the threat or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property for the purpose of achieving a political, religious, or ideological objective within Canada or a foreign state. And then the judge continues, this definition excludes lawful advocacy, protest or dissent unless carried on in conjunction with any of the activities referred to in the four paragraphs, including C paragraph 262 the proclamation that was their calling for martial law specified five reasons to justify the declaration of a public order emergency the first draws directly from the language of the ceases act the second third and fourth reasons pertain to adverse effects on the economy the fifth reason cites the potential for an increase in the level of unrest and violence that would further threaten the safety and security of canadians that's a giveaway right there isn't it it hadn't happened yet and they were saying well this could get worse boss I'm just gonna read one more and then we're gonna call in our legal experts. Here's one more paragraph by this judge. The first reason specified in the proclamation cites the threat or use of serious violence against persons or property. And here's how descri- this. Is how the government describes it. The continuing blockades by both persons and motor vehicles that is occurring at various locations throughout Canada and the continuing threats to oppose measures to remove the blockades, including by force. Which blockades are being carried on in conjunction with activities that are directed toward or in support of the threat or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property, including critical infrastructure, for the purpose of achieving a political or ideological objective within Canada? Did that happen? It's like they're talking about some terrorist attack or something, but we all knew it was hot tubs and bouncy castles all right, listen, we could spend hours going through this case just reading it. But I haven't practiced law in 20 years. I want to go to two guys who are up to their eyeballs in this law who have been fighting for freedom, who have been with the truckers since the convoy began. I'm talking about Keith Wilson, lawyer for the truckers in Ottawa, and our friend Chad Williamson, lawyer for the truckers down in Coots, Alberta, both of which are referenced in this ruling. May I introduce you, the Legal Dream Team. Chad Williamson and Keith Wilson. Great to see you, fellas. Thank you so much for joining this emergency live stream. Boy, we got a lot of brain power on the show now. Thank God you guys have come to help out. How are you guys doing, Chad? How are you doing down there in Calgary?
3: Uh, dude, doing awesome, uh, Ezra Cam. I, I mean, I, I've, I've been. I'm so busy with other matters. Uh, I had uh, uh, Marty, as uh, you folks might know, as uh, one of the guys that's worked with me on some of the crazier files that we've done. Uh, like storm into my office at 11 o'clock this morning saying, hey, did you see the new federal court decision? So uh, I've just been trying to uh, digest everything, as I imagine uh, Keith has already had the opportunity to do, uh, being a couple hours uh, ahead of us out in, uh, out in Ottawa, but yeah, doing great. Uh, what, what, an, what outstanding news and just another dagger into the heart of the beast.
0: Yeah, well, that's incredible. Well, thank you. And you were down there at that border saloon in Coots, Alberta, observing the blockade firsthand, a peaceful blockade, not one of serious violence, to use the wording of the law. Keith Wilson, I'm not sure if you're in Edmonton today or in Ottawa. You've been between those two cities quite a lot over the last two years. You are a lawyer, not just for Tamara Leach, but you were the interlocutor. You were the negotiator out in Ottawa, uh, Tell me first your reaction to this ruling. I'm pleasantly surprised. I didn't think they had a hope. I mean, so many court rulings have gone against freedom over the last two years. I'm frankly stunned by this, and I think the liberals were too. Let me ask you that first. Did you expect this, or was this just a hope too far to hope?
4: I actually was holding out hope. Uh, I'm I'm here in my office in Edmonton, and um, uh, I have said many times when... People were expressing dismay about the Rouleau ruling from the public inquiry and the commission inquiry that Justice Rouleau led that I was like, you know, uh, you know, I thought it was political theater. It became pretty clear that's what it was near the end. And I was holding out hope that the court would apply the facts to the law and conclude the obvious, which is the legal test for the invocation wasn't met. Uh, the Coots border was opened on the weekend um, in that February of 2022. The Windsor and all the other blockades were cleared. On the Saturday and Sunday, the trucker leadership in Ottawa had negotiated a deal with the mayor of Ottawa to relocate the trucks out of the residential areas and consolidate them up onto Wellington in front of the prime minister's office and the parliament buildings to give the protest longer staying power. And so there was no justification. There was no crisis. There was no insurrection. There was no interference with international trade. None of the legal tests were met and the court has confirmed that that is in fact the case. The legal test wasn't met, but it's went a step further. And this is great cause for hope is they also, the federal court has said that charter rights were violated. So even if they met the test uh, to invoke, which they didn't, the Char- Char- Charter Rights for Violence, Section 8 in particular, you right against uh, Unlawful Search and Seizure, relating specifically to the outrageous tyrannical act of freezing hundreds of Canadians' bank accounts and cancelling their credit cards.
0: You know, Christian Freeland was twitching more than she normally does when she was in front of the mic today. And because she, as much as anyone, was the public face of the martial law. Yeah, Marco Mendocino, but we learned from the Public Order Inquiry Commission that he was just a a useful idiot. He he wasn't even fully briefed by his own staff. It was Christian Freeland that was contacting the banks and saying, seize that account, seize this account. I, I want to ask you one more thing before we go back to Chad for a second. Keith I know you were negotiating literally day by day even hour by hour out there in yep. Ottawa with the Ottawa police and I want you to say again what you've told me before which is that there that you were in full con- communication open communication with the city and with the Ottawa police managing the the convoy, keeping lanes open, moving away from residential areas, moving these trucks over there and these trucks over there. It was cooperative, there was some tension for sure, but it was a relationship building on trust and and you were sort of the official negotiator. Now I want you to say it in your own words because I don't want to get a word wrong, but I believe you've told me that there was a deal, there was a deal between the truckers and the city of Ottawa and instead of ratifying that deal, Justin Trudeau pulled the trigger on martial law because he didn't want there to be a deal because he wanted that drama teacher, drama move. You and the truckers in Ottawa actually were in full compliance with everything that police wanted, but Trudeau was worried he was gonna lose his moment, so he invoked martial law right when you guys had a deal. Can you tell me if I got that right and fill in any gaps if I got it wrong?
4: Sure, that's absolutely what happened. We had the deal on the Saturday. Uh, it was publicly announced on the Sunday. We implemented the deal with the cooperation of the city police. You can see footage out there where the trucks are being escorted by police with flashing lights up onto Wellington um, and we cleared two city blocks on the on the Monday, uh, moved 123 vehicles out um, in the residential type areas of downtown. And I was in constant communication with the mayor's chief of staff and the city manager, Steve Kanalakis, And I still remember on the Tuesday, we got stopped due to miscommunication with the police because they had to move barricades and we got we we're, were about to move trucks again. And uh, they apologized for it. All of my text messages have been used in evidence, both in the criminal trial for Chris and Tamara, as well as in the public inquiry. But the most crucial moment was on the Wednesday morning after the invocation of the Emergencies Act. We were ready to move trucks again. And I got a phone call from Steve K, Steve Kanellakis, the city manager for the city of Ottawa. And he confirmed what I'm about to say in his testimony before the public inquiry. His tone was so, so like sorrowful and sad. And he's like, Keith, we gave it our best shot, but the federal government doesn't want this to happen. They're blocking any further moves. So Trudeau had figured out what we were doing in terms of de-escalating. The mayor's position was, he communicated to us that he said, if you move up into Wellington and consolidate up there, I don't care if you stay there for months because that's where your grievance is with the federal government. So that was our move. The federal government, the Trudeau liberals wanted to, I think they wanted to send a message to Canadians, Ezra, that don't you dare challenge us. You'll regret it.
0: Yeah, I think you're so right now, Chad. I want to bring you in here because you have a similar story, I think. And again, I, I'm relying on you to correct me because you were the guy down there at the Cooch Blockade You and your partners sort of did rotating shifts and what Keith was doing out in Ottawa, you were that same liaison with the RCMP down there in Coots. and I'm really glad you were. First of all, I'd like you to confirm for me that there was no violence whatsoever and in fact, your advice to the truckers was always keep it lawful, guys, civil disobedience, nothing more rambunctious but suddenly i remember it was the day before the invocation of the martial law you correct me if my memory is wrong that the Mounties had a big press release. We found some shotguns and some hunting rifles, not in the saloon, but we found them somewhere else, and they laid them out in a beautiful photo op. And I looked at it, I said, you know, that's probably scary to city slickers in Toronto or Vancouver or Ottawa, but that's just sort of regular for down there in, in coots. Like, that's hunting, that's duck hunting, and and frankly, uh, that's it's sort of weird if you don't have a gun if you're down in coots. I take... What Keith just said in Ottawa and that RCMP um, photo op as the Liberals' panicky attempt to rebrand a completely peaceful movement, both in Ottawa and in Coutts, to rebrand it as, quote, serious violence. That's the language I just quoted from the CSIS Act. That's the language this judge was leaning on. They needed evidence of, quote, serious violence violence they had none so they broke off the peace deal in ottawa and trumped up oh we found a shotgun guys that'll scare you toronto liberals chad what was it was that was that the feeling you had there in coots
3: uh, look, Ezra, so this is going to be uh, a little bit more difficult for me than it might be for Keith. As you know, there's the uh, proceedings against uh, who are kind of collectively known as the Coots Four. Now, these are the gents who were uh, charged with, uh, among other things, a conspiracy to commit murder. Obviously, they're the subject uh, of these uh uh, these 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 alleged gun charges. That's currently before the court. We don't represent them, uh, and unfortunately, my knowledge uh, in respect of that particular case is 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 really quite limited. Now, as you also might know, uh, there's three other gentlemen. Uh, uh, colloquially known as the coots three who are the alleged organizers of the coots blockade now this is also coming before the courts in a three-week jury trial uh coming up later this spring and we've got another uh, pre-trial uh, uh pre-trial applications to be heard close to the end of february on this so these issues are before the courts now now my role down in coots I'm, uh, I'm 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 okay to acknowledge that we were there to provide uh, your standard uh, criminal and charter advice to anybody on the ground uh, piecemeal as they'd come. So the way that we always looked at it is uh, there'd be a a retainer when someone came up to ask us for a question, uh, that retainer ended after the provision of summary advice. And obviously uh, those legal services were crowdfunded. Now, we did assist uh, and observe some of the negotiations. Um, Again, that was, uh, whether that was me or whether that was Martin, uh, it just depends on the timing. What what I will say is everything, at least from a kind of an outsider perspective uh, after the fact, because I was not down there uh, at, at the at the moment when the uh, when when the guns were alleged to have been discovered. Uh, Uh, in, in, I suppose, a trailer. Um, But it it smacked to me, Ezra, that this was uh, politically motivated. We know that Jason Kenney was getting a lot of uh, pushback from the grassroots conservative movement in rural Alberta. and what we've seen at least, and, and while this might be anecdotal in other cases, and we've run a ton of these cases, whether it's the uh, COVID uh, kind of restaurant rebellion cases and uh, the lockdowns, um, you know, looking at uh, uh, even even Minister Gilbo blocking rebel news on Twitter. Uh, it's become very apparent to me that so many of these government decisions are almost wholly politically motivated. Uh, and w- w- what's, what's even more interesting is, they, they're all getting smacked down by the court, and I suppose that should lend a degree of uh, of confidence to kind of the you know the freedom movement. But for whatever reason, despite all these uh, li- quite literally hundreds of victories against the uh, forces of authoritarianism uh, and 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 government overreach, I'm still gobsmacked every time there's a victory in the courtroom. Um, what we've seen, though, is we've seen, at least in the case of the federal government, a government that has at every single turn acted politically and unconstitutionally, whether it's the plastics ban that got overturned and then have the liberals say, well, uh, you know, we don't really care about the court's decision or we don't agree with it. And then try to perhaps find some other mechanism uh, to try to uh, get at the ends there, the, the, the the ends that they're looking for also we've seen you know this robust blocking of uh, blocking of journalists on Twitter we saw you know an RCMP member slam David Menzie's uh, head into a wall when he was just asking some questions if you compare that to the treatment uh, I suppose of rebel news by the police in Switzerland during the WEF form, uh, uh, forum uh, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist with more than a couple IQ points to rub together to understand that a lot of this stuff is political Politically motivated, And perhaps a lot of this stuff is just coming from uh, the office of the PMO. Again, I'm a, I'm a lawyer and uh, my opinion is mostly based on evidence, not necessarily anecdotal conclusions. Uh, but it seems like the writing to me is on the wall. Uh, by the time that the uh, the Emergency Measures Act was I- invocated, the blockades largely had been cleared. Um, I mean, you know, freezing bank accounts of single mothers for sending 20 bucks to, um, you know, a GoFundMe or to a, a Bitcoin address—that uh, smacks of Stalinism uh, and 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 fascism. It, it, it's it's absolutely unacceptable. And I think that uh, uh, the court's decision in this case really was a uh, a, a slap back at the government. Obviously. The first thing that the liberals come out and say is that, well, they're going to appeal it. So uh, I guess my optimism needs to be tempered to some degree because we really need to see if they do, in fact, intend on appealing this decision, what an appellate panel at the federal uh, at the federal court will uh, will rule. It's a lengthy decision. And I think it's a guarded decision. And one thing that I know about f- what they call first instance judges or uh, justices who are basically the first court to hear something is really it's their job to try to render a robust decision uh, that can potentially uh, have have as limited avenues for appeal as possible. So it'll take some creative lawyering, I think, on the part of, uh, uh, of the liberal government to try to overturn this decision. Yeah.
0: I want to see how the CBC is handling this. This must be a very dark day for them. Can you go to the CBC and uh, <laughs> can you let's read it together? I'm laughing in advance. I'm laughing in advance. Federal government's decision to invoke Emergencies Act against convoy protests was unreasonable court rules. Government says it plans to appeal to the decision. So let's stop right there. It's not Justin Trudeau's decision. It's not Christian Freeland's decision. Here's how it works at the CBC. If there's good news, Trudeau did this, Freeland did that, if it's good news. It's very personal. Or liberals do this. But if it's bad news, you'll never see the word Trudeau or liberal. It's the federal government decision to invoke emergencies act against convoy protest was unreasonable well it did say that but it said a lot more than that didn't it it said it was illegal unjustifiable and unconstitutional isn't it funny that the cbc says it was just unreasonable yeah it wasn't reasonable guys no it was it was breaking the law you government hacks you paid for propagandists. i have to tell you again that if you need an adjective next to the word journalist, you're not a journalist. So these government journalists at the CBC state broadcaster are wicked liars, never trust the CBC. They were the number one haters during the convoy. They were the ones who compiled the enemies list that was blacklisted and had their credit. CBC were the running dogs, the stalking horses. They were the ones that rounded up the truckers by publishing their names that then went uh, to have their bank accounts seized. Can you put that CBC News story up again? I want to read it. Let's scroll down a little bit. I haven't read this yet, but I know it's going to be good. A federal judge says the Liberal government's use of the Emergencies Act in early 2022 to clear convoy protesters was unreasonable and infringed on protesters' charter rights. I concluded there was no national emergency justifying the invocation of the Emergencies Act, and the decision to do so was therefore unreasonable and ultra-virus. Federal Court Justice Richard Moseley wrote in a Tuesday decision, ultra-virus is a Latin term used by courts to refer to actions beyond the scope of the law. <laughs> Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland told reporters at a cabinet retreat in Montreal that the government plans to appeal the decision. Where is Trudeau? Where is that little man-coward? Why is he not owning this i know why he wants to push it off on twitchy and he wants headlines like the federal government did something wrong so far i haven't seen justin trudeau's name in this report yet have you let's keep reading the federal court case was brought by two national groups the canadian civil Liberties association and the canadian constitution foundation and two people whose bank accounts were frozen they argued ottawa did not meet the legal threshold when it invoked the legislation which had never been used before That's a good point to remember right there. Not even during 9-11 was this used. Trudeau thought that this was the worst crisis Canada has had in a generation. Was it really? Some hot tubs and bouncy castles? Thousands of protesters angry with the government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, including vaccine requirements, descended on Ottawa in January of 2022 and blocked border points elsewhere. The protesters parked large vehicles on key arteries in the capital city for nearly a month and honked their horns incessantly for days. You okay? You guys okay? heard some horns honking? I hope you're okay. Uh, the government invoked the Emergencies Act on February 14, 2022. It gave law enforcement extraordinary powers to remove and arrest protesters and gave the government the power to freeze the finances of those connected to the protests. What does that mean connected to? The temporary emergency powers also gave authorities the ability to commandeer tow trucks to remove protesters' vehicles from the streets of the Capitol. By the way, let me tell you that the criminal code gives police that power too. I don't know if you know that. You don't need an emergencies act um, to commandeer a vehicle. Police can commandeer a vehicle of yours right now under the criminal code. So that's the CBC showing their lack of knowledge. Uh, I see on our um, series of monitors that uh, one of my favorite lawyers in the country is now on standby. I've gotten to know Tamara Leach over the last year. I really didn't know her. I hadn't met her, even spoken with her uh, before she was arrested. But over the course of the last year, I've gotten to know her fairly well. I've gone on tour with her. We published her book, which is a national bestseller, just outstanding. And over the course of the last six months or so, I've had the pleasure to meet with and, and speak to Lawrence Greenspan, who's a leading criminal lawyer in the city of Ottawa. Who has taken what we all thought would be a case for a couple of weeks It's now stretching on the better part of a year and i'm absolutely delighted to uh, bring him on the show now uh, a man i truly you know god forbid i ever get charged with the crime myself and may it never happen and it never has but god forbid if it does uh lawrence i uh, i hope you would take me as a client because i've been so impressed with your work for tamara leach and thank god you're there for her uh, and by the way, thanks for taking some time to appear on our live stream. We have about 8,000 people watching concurrently right now. Give me your reaction to this astonishing ruling by the federal court, which caught me by surprise. Maybe you thought it was coming, but boy, I'm surprised. Give me your reaction.
1: Well, first off, uh, thanks for the uh, the very kind words, uh, Ezra. Um, you don't want to need me, but if you ever do, I'm there for you, okay? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
1: it, this, this is... You know what we've been saying all along. Uh, the, the, those of uh, the various organizations that appeared before uh, the rulo Commission were saying just this: it, it, this is this was an unnecessary overreaction uh, to uh, what was certainly in Ottawa a, a peaceful protest, and uh, what uh, Mr. Justice Mosley who, by the way, has, has, is a very experienced federal court judge and has been there for, oh, 30 years. He's a former Crown attorney. And uh, he knows of what he speaks. He's found that these uh, temporary, and incredibly uh, powerful measures were unconstitutional. And, uh, of course, the, the knee-jerk reaction of the government is, uh, oh yeah, we're gonna appeal. But, you know, before they appeal, this judgment from from it's 190 pages, it's thorough, it's it's damning. And uh, they come to the conclusion that, that we've been saying all along, which is that uh, these emergency measures were completely unnecessary. I had a quick skim of the judgment. I don't even think that there was the kind of evidence that we've heard in the uh, uh, Tamara Leach, uh, Chris Barber trial about all of the efforts by the demonstrators to try and reduce the footprint. I mean, those were ongoing pursuance to an agreement, as you know, which was reached with the mayor of Ottawa on February the 12th. And Chris Barber and, and many others had already taken all kinds of steps trying to reduce the footprint of the impact uh, of the demonstrators on the downtown core and the, and the residents of the downtown core. I don't even see any mention of that in the Mosley decision. Uh, but when you when you look at that and you look at what was going on almost from the start of the demonstration, the efforts to try and reduce the footprint, uh, there was absolutely no need uh, for Trudeau to do what he did. And uh, not only that, uh, th- there was some question about did he even realize, did anybody actually tell him but what was going on in the streets right in front of Parliament, because, you know, there was a, a genuine effort on a daily basis. They had actually already moved 40 of the big rigs, uh, had been moved, uh, and, and uh, this was part of the, the uh, agreement that had been struck with the mayor. Um, there was absolutely not, not, no need for the Emergencies Act and every reason not to use these kinds of very powerful measures.
0: Yeah, we spoke earlier with Keith Wilson, who was a lawyer negotiator for the truckers, who was on in daily, in fact, you could even say hourly, communication with city officials, Mm -hmm. police officials, mayor's office, um, to proactively, you're using the phrase, phrase, reduce the footprint, I would say reduce the temperature, reduce the friction. And you said, well, it sounds like Trudeau didn't know about it. A darker interpretation, which I would choose, is that Trudeau absolutely did know about it, and that's why he pulled the trigger on February 14th, because he didn't want this peace deal that the truckers had negotiated with the city coming into effect. I think he realized, whoa, I'd better, if I'm going to use the Emergencies Act, i better do it now, because everything is getting calm and calm. Remember, the Coots blockade had ended in advance mm-hmm. of this. Right. So so he was running out of justification. I think he pulled the trigger because he wanted be, to be dramatic like his father had been during the FLQ crisis some 50 years ago. And I think that, uh, and that was, you know, a lot of people had their doubts about that from a civil liberties point of view, but Trudeau didn't even follow the law. We were just going through the the, the law It had to have a serious violence in the order of a revolution or a war or or a true insurrection. Lawrence, was there any violence whatsoever in Ottawa that you know of during the entire time the convoy was there? I, I don't know of any violence. On the
1: contrary, I mean, if there had been, uh, the Crown, as you know, has now closed their case uh, in, in our in the Lich Barber uh, trial. They've closed their case. You can be sure that if there was any violence. Um, they would have it would have been front and center in the in the trial Uh, it's there wasn't any I I mean really what the problem was uh, with the demonstrators uh, is at least in Ottawa was and most Canadians will say this oh yeah I'm I'm all in favor of the freedom of expression and uh, right to peaceful assembly they're all in favor of that Uh, but then unfortunately most Canadians will say yeah but it, it lasted too long it was annoying. It was inconvenient. Well, you know, constitutional. I don't have to tell you that constitutional rights. There's no time limit on them, yeah. and uh, there, there's a reason that they're called fundamental freedoms, and they're enshrined in our constitution. And they shouldn't be messed with because the prime minister of the day thinks it. Well, it's I'm going to look good if I come out tough, like my dad. Well, when Trudeau the senior said. You know, in answer to the question, "What would you do uh, in response to uh, uh, what's going on?" and and he turned on his heel and said, "Just watch me." Uh, Canadians across the country were going, "Wow, that's great! He's a tough guy, and he's going to deal with this situation." Uh, that was not the scenario in February of 2022. It just it was a completely different non-violent scenario. There were there are no cabinet ministers that were being kidnapped or killed. Yeah, um, it's far from it. And uh, what this judgment does is it basically says, "Look, this was this was crushing a, a peanut with a with a sledgehammer when you know the peanut was just lying there. There was no violence."
0: Well, those are chunks of the live stream. If you want more, it actually was about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. You can go on our YouTube channel or our Rumble channel and watch the whole thing if you just can't get enough. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at our world headquarters and around the world, good night and keep fighting for freedom.